Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Pastor Josh De La Rosa. You know, life can be really a mix of joy and pain. Uh, this, this morning, Sunday morning actually, I'll be at a wedding of a family friend in the local mountains up in Lake Arrowhead. And we're expected to go and celebrate a small wedding ceremony for, for uh, a couple. And I was going to see a handful of relatives, looking forward to just seeing family and also just being out of some of the weather and the heat. Um, but sadly, just the weekend had a really strange turn. Our family had some really tragic news. My dad called me in tears on Friday morning with the news that my oldest son's, or my oldest nephew's, excuse me, my oldest nephew's wife had passed away in a car wreck uh, on Friday morning. And so everything for us took a strange turn and a sad, sad turn. Uh, David lost his wife, Brittany, and they've only been married for uh, really a, a short period of time. They have three little girls. And so my wife and I, we went and tried to just bring comfort to my nephew and uh, grieve with them and help help out because they've got these young girls. The youngest two were there at, at their house, uh, three and age three and age one, and just tried to be a help around the house. And, you know, seeing those two little girls, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, uh, it it brought a lot of joy, you know, just playing with them, um, being able to sit with them, but in the midst of a really, really deep, deep pain. Um, and for us, it's just really heartbreaking, you know, a life cut short, really short. Um, my nephew and his family had been occasionally coming around our church. Uh, Brittany had attended one of the women's retreats and was a guest of my wife. Uh, for a recent women's retreat, and so it's just, it's tragic, and it's, it's, I found yesterday just kind of going through the emotions of, it was just sobering and really reflective, and I'm sure if you've been through anything like this, you, you understand that, and you just sort of take account of what's important in life, and so, you know, I, I'd like to just pray before we begin. This whole season that we're living through right now has been a mix of frustration, of annoyance, a bunch of different emotions, and fear, sadness, hurt, confusion. And so I realize right now you're probably dealing with um, personal things in your life as well. And so let's just pray and bring all of this to God before we launch into the message. So Father, right now we, we just bring our lives and our hearts and our minds before you. And we pray, God, that you'd speak to us in a very real way about uh, things that really matter. God, there's not much uh, on the news that can grab our attention and we could walk away and say, well, I was really glad that I took that in. But Lord, when we turn to you and when we focus our minds and our hearts on your word or when we uh, lean in to hear your truth, uh, we can walk away challenged and, and taking steps towards real change. And so I pray that would be the case, that you would speak to us, God, very clearly this morning. So we invite you to do that. And we, we pray that you'd, you would make it clear, God, how you want us to respond. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this is, we're, we're sort of midway, nearing the end actually of this series of messages um, called Peeled. And 
we've been looking at a list in the Bible of the fruit of the Spirit. And some pretty great pieces of fruit that we've talked about uh, that God can produce in our life. Now, have you ever stood at the supermarket or the store and, and stared at a pile of watermelons, like a mound of watermelons? I'm sure you have. And... Or maybe you've been sent to the store. I've often been sent to the store to pick up a watermelon. And I, it's usually hard for me to know how to pick out a good watermelon. And sometimes I've asked people and people have pointed out the tricks. But how do you really pick out a good watermelon? I've heard that a good watermelon makes a certain sound sort of when you knock on the watermelon. You sort of thump the watermelon. I honestly don't know what I'm trying to hear. <laughs> I don't know what, what, is there an echo I'm supposed to hear on the other side? Is there, what's the, the thump supposed to resemble? Um, most of the time, when it comes to picking a piece of fruit like a watermelon, you just sort of, you just sort of guess. I mean, it looks big, it's heavy. Uh, I'm sure it's good inside. Uh, sometimes the one you choose actually turns out to be a good watermelon, a, a great watermelon. But but I can't always tell you why it was. Now, good is the word that we all use to describe our goal when it comes to fruit selection. We want to pick out a good piece of fruit. We don't want to bad, mealy, rotten piece of fruit. Now we want a ripe, good-tasting fruit. And we're not just thinking good-looking. We, we actually want to peel it open and know that it tastes good on the inside. And that's really the question we've been looking at. What, what would happen if you sort of peel us back and see what's going on inside? This is We have a similar goal when it comes to people. We want to pick out good friends, not bad friends. We want to hire good employees. We don't want to hire bad employees. We want to marry good. You know, we want to marry well. We don't want to marry poorly. But like me with, you know, picking out watermelons, we're not really sure how because we can't really see past the surface of, of a person. So it's really hard to pick out a good person from the surface. And so we try to, you know, do our best to get a feel for what someone is like on the inside, but it's really more of, it's more of a guess. You see, the whole goodness mystery isn't just a challenge in trying to pick good people. It is particularly frustrating when it comes to trying to be a good person ourselves. Most of us really want to be good. In fact, sometimes when you're just when you're with someone who's facing the topic of death, you know, this whole issue of being good, it comes up into the conversation. If you've been with someone near the end of their lives, uh, this this often surfaces. I'm trying to be a good person, or I've tried to be a good person. You know, with fruit, you can return a bad piece of fruit. Most people don't know that, but you can actually return a bad piece of fruit. You can take it back to the store and get your money back. But with life, we, we only get one life to live. We can't return it if it turns out bad, or you know, we can't say, you know, I'm going to try harder next time. This This is very different. This whole goodness question has eternal implications. And so what we've been doing in this series of messages is we've been looking at two key verses to launch from out of Galatians chapter 5 that really summarizes the qualities of a good life. Let's take a look. Galatians 5 reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, there's where we're going to focus today, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, there's nine pieces of fruit that are listed, but you could summarize all of these words that we've looked at so far with the one word goodness. Goodness is sort of like a summary word. It, it, you know, like a watermelon, watermelon is a pretty good fruit. I think you'd probably agree. But much, 
more could be said about watermelon than it's just that it's good. It's also sweet, it's crisp, it's refreshing, and more. But goodness itself is sort of a summary type word. It describes the kind of fruit that we want and the kind of life that you and I desire. We, we crave having a good life. But when you look at the specifics of what goodness is, you realize it's going to take much more than just human effort to be a good person. You know, a good person loves, they actually love in a way that is inconvenience. It's, it's an inconvenience for themselves, but it's for the benefit of others. They're characterized by a joy from God that's not dependent on the circumstances of life. They have peace. They have a deep inner calm in the face of challenges because of their trust in God. They're, they're patient. Good people are willing to invest in things that really last. Uh, they're kind. They're, they're, they thoughtfully move towards people to be of help. They're faithful. They're gentle. They have self-control. That, that's really, if you understand, goodness is really a summary word. It's when you consider the specifics of goodness that it becomes apparent that we all actually have a goodness problem. You see, merely trying to be good is not going to be good enough. That's because whenever good rises in our heart, bad actually rises up to oppose good. In the Bible, the word good is often found next to the word evil. You see, the effort to be good is a struggle against the pull to be bad. And so, I want to look at a section out of Romans chapter 7. In the New Testament of the Bible, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, a church leader in the first century, he writes a letter to the church in Rome. And in chapter 7, he puts words to this struggle that we face between good and evil. So, let's read uh, first portion of this passage, chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. It reads, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. What? <laughs> what a you got to read the passage a few times to wrap your mind around it. Paul, is, I mean, I'm going to break some of it down for you, sort of phrase by phrase. Paul's asking the question that we've all, re, you know, asked repeatedly. And the question is, what's wrong with me? I don't understand what I do. I don't. I, I know what I want to do. I want to do good. I'm sure you would say that. I want to do good today. I want to do good this this year, this week. But then I end up doing what I hate, which is bad. The big question often is, why? Why did I do that? If we're ever going to allow God to grow the fruit of goodness in us, then we need to listen carefully to the whole diagnosis that Paul is writing out here in the book of Romans. Because if we misdiagnose the problem, then we'll mistreat it, and we'll keep fighting a losing battle between good and evil. Paul, he, he makes it clear in the passage that the problem isn't just our intention. It's not just intent. I agree that the law is good. I agree that what God has said is good. You know, it really is good, Paul's saying. 
And he's saying, and I have the desire to do what is good. I just can't do what God has said in his law. The reason is, Paul says, is that sin is living in me and it takes me over. Essentially, we have a power problem. You see, the battle against bad, it cannot be won by sheer willpower. We can't just decide to just do good in our minds. You know, he writes in the passage, I don't understand what I do. You might ask, well, why not? Well, our mind is, is it's not the only power on the battlefield. He also says in that, in that passage, for what I want to do, I, I do not do. Basically, I look at what I end up doing and I clearly remember deciding in my mind that I wasn't going to do that. Paul's conclusion, though, is, is this. It's no longer I myself who do it. Essentially, I'm not the only power at work in determining what I actually do. So what, what is this other power, Paul, Paul tells us? It is sin living in me. So sin is alive. We think sin is just sort of the bad stuff that we do from time to time. But if sin is alive, not just a definition of, of wrong, this means that sin has all of the power that living things actually have. Meaning it has a will to survive. It has the ability to grow, to multiply, to make matters worse. Sin isn't just living out there in the world. It's actually living inside of me and you. Where? Where does it live? Well, Paul says, it's, it's, it's in my flesh, meaning it's, it's in my body, it's on the inside. I can't just sort of lock the, lock the front door and run and hide from sin. I can't get away from sin, it's inside. Now this isn't an excuse for sin, Paul's not just excusing away sin. If you, for example, if you, just, if you hit someone, <laughs> you can't just blame your hand and disconnect. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know why, it just, sometimes it, it just does that, it just hits things and people. No, actually, you and I, we, you are your body. We can't sin and say, hey, that, I'm sorry, that wasn't me. It was, it was my crazy body just acting up again. Uh, this is not an excuse for sin that Paul is giving, but it's a diagnosis of it. This is not saying, I didn't do that. It's, it's saying, I didn't do that all by myself. Paul writes this, he says, it is no longer I myself who do it. I did it, but... I, I had help in doing it. Now, I know where the power actually lives. I have a much better chance of dealing with it. How did sin become a living power? How did, how did sin take up residence in our body? It actually came from the kind of life that we have. You know, in the creation story, you're probably familiar with Genesis chapter 2. Uh, it talks about how God created life by commanding life to be, but that when he came to humans... It was different, not with human life. He didn't just create through commanding. It says in Genesis 2, verse 7, that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. You see, with humankind, this was a different kind of life. We were made in God's image. Our life is the weaving together of physical dust and spiritual breath, the breath of God. Why? Well, 
for relationship and for participation. For this to be possible, we, we actually have to be given real autonomy. It's why we have a freedom beyond just our instincts. We alone, among all living beings, were given the power to stand in opposition to God. God actually gave you a measure of independent power. We, without this autonomy, we actually couldn't love God. We couldn't obey God. We would just be robots here on the earth. But you know, the place where the power converges is it's inside the human body. It's, it's the place where the freedom is real. This means that everything we do with our bodies has a tremendous power attached to it. We were designed actually to partner with the eternal plan of God. We, we're a mixture of dust and divinity. And so when Adam and Eve, and then all of us, all human beings, decided to sin and go our own independent way, separate from God, and use our bodies for our own purposes, what happened is, the Bible says, we cut ourselves off from the power of God. But this semi-autonomous power of freedom that, that resides in our bodies it still remains. So if we decide to do good, now we do so without God's help. We, it's like we're running on battery power now. We're fighting the power of darkness with, an, with a flashlight, but more of like an ever-dimming flashlight. That's why our willpower will never be enough you know, to be... A good person. It's never going to be enough. So what, what can we do? On our own, we really can't do anything. And so we need a new power. If, if we're to have a fighting chance to do good in this life and to become good, then we actually need a power source to plug into that can replace sort of the battery power of our, of our willpower. Because the battery, it, it, it runs out. It's like a dimming flashlight. So back again to Romans chapter 7. Paul asks in verse 24 this question, Who will rescue me from this body of death? And in the answers in verse 25 with this, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the good news. This is what we want everyone to know. This is why our church exists. We want people to know that despite the bad news of our sin and rebellion and the consequences of our sin and being disconnected from God. The good news is that God came to our rescue and he offered to us a way to be reconnected to him. And that's really good news. And I hope that you'll respond to that good news. It's through Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, born here on earth. This is how God actually ran a power line from heaven to us on earth as he sent his son Jesus. It's the only way to access the power of his spirit. And that's why goodness, you know, and its eight specific qualities of goodness are, are listed as a fruit of the spirit. These are not just fruits of human effort and fr fruits of human willpower. These are fruits of God's spirit. And one of the big differences between batteries and a power plug is mobility. You know, under battery power, you can go wherever you want, at least for a season, for a short period of time. But if you're going to plug into, if you're able to plug into a stable current of AC power, then you actually have to stay where that plug is. You're sort of tethered to that power source. That's how this is. 
the human life and the human existence and life on earth is with Jesus. We plug into his body, the church, and we do our part. We stay connected. Now, that's one of the big challenges right now is how do you stay connected through all of this? Or we plug into his word, the Bible, and we apply it. But we've got to stay plugged into it. The New Testament actually calls this plugging in. It calls it walking in the Spirit. That's the phrase that you hear. Walking in the Spirit. It's how we stay connected to the resources of God that He provides to us for us to keep growing and to stay on track in this life. You plug in. You walk with the Spirit of God. Now, I enjoy walking with with my wife. Even if it's super late at night, uh, we like to go on walks. I bring... You know, if it's really late, I bring a golf club for protection. And then we head out on a good three-mile walk. And if I'm regularly walking with my wife, then we stay synced up. We, we can clear things up in our relationship. We can talk things out. We can catch up on our day or on our week. We can share hurts. We can share challenges. We can pray for each other while we're walking. And we've found that when we walk, really, it's been a major help to us in our now over 21-year marriage. Walking with each other, it keeps us on track. And sometimes, life can just get flying by, we can get really busy, and we can go for weeks without walks. And, and that whole habit of walking together, if, if we have weeks without walking with each other, then we can feel the strain. We can feel struggles cropping up. And, and, and so for us, that's a, just even just that symbol of walking with each other, what it actually means. It actually helps us understand the walk of the walking with the spirit it's the same way when you walk with the spirit walking in the spirit it symbolizes relationship we stay connected through getting into his word through prayer those resources flow power it's the you know power flows into our life so we can stay on track now here's another dynamic that we see from the passage in in romans chapter 7 we actually have a past problem our body records and replays whatever we do in the form of habits. So look at Romans 7, verse 21 through 23. It reads, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. So in these you know, three verses, the word law appears five times. And, and Webster's Dictionary defines law as a binding rule of, of conduct. Now, the, the, law, the laws of nature, you learn those in school, the laws of nature, they bind us to reality. So if we, if we defy gravity, we lose every time. It, it's a law. And so we're bound to the laws. Paul identifies a law that is at work in all of us. And he says it. He says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Well, why? It's not just a power problem. It's also a law problem. Turns out there are three laws at work when we try to do good. There's the law of God. And he, he refers to the, this when he writes, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. The fact that God has told us what is good is why we want to do good, even if we've never even read the Bible. We understand God has a law. But then he writes, But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. 
So there's the law of my body, but then also there's the law of my mind. We're bound really to our bodies and to our minds. So what is the body law? We're basically, we're bound to the past choices that we have made with our bodies. It's a law. Our bodies actually record and replay what we do. They form habits, essentially. We were designed with the capacity to partner with God in the work that He wants done in this world, even things that would echo into eternity. This means that that the weight of every choice leaves a giant footprint. And with repetition, that footprint becomes a deep rut. And so the power of our freedom is really multiplied. We, we haven't just made one or two bad choices. You know, we made thousands of bad choices. So our past choices end up, Paul writes, making us prisoners of the law of sin at work within our members. So we're still free to do good, we're still free to do bad, but our past choices now have become habits with walls that form a prison that we struggle to climb out of. What, now, what's the law of the mind? Basically, the law of the mind is, is those things that we really want. We're bound to what we want. If we don't get it, we're bothered. The difficulty is that what we want in our mind isn't bound to reality like our body. It's the law at work in the members of our body that will determine whether what started in your mind becomes real. So the order is, the first law is God's law, what he says is good. The second law is the law of our mind. It's what we want. And the third law is the law of our body. It's, it's what we actually do. And goodness occurs when all three of these laws line up, you sync up, God's law, law of the body, law of the mind. And so we need new habits. If, if, if I want to be more loving, or if I want to be more kind, or if I want to be more joyful, which I do, then I need to first get the law of my mind aligned with what God says about these topics of kindness, of joy, and on and on. I need to, I need to sync up and align my mind with what God says in his law on these topics. It's called delighting in God's law. We basically decide we want to do what God says. But if we don't develop and work on the habits that support this intention, then nothing in our life ever really changes. That's because our body has been recording and then deepening deeper and deeper the ruts of not loving and not being kind and not being joyful. And so every commitment that your mind makes must be backed up and supported by the habits of your body. Whenever I committed my life to follow Jesus, I wasn't thinking about a plan for spending daily time with him in the Bible. Or I wasn't thinking about how important the church was to my growth. But it's those commitments and many other habits that involve my body that actually support the commitment made by my mind. The power is not in the habits. The power is actually in the Holy Spirit that flows through the power lines of a commitment to Jesus Christ. The habits themselves, they help us stay connected to the power, but the habits are not the power. God himself is supplying the power through the Holy Spirit. And so, here's a question. Where are you at in the struggle to be good? Are you like most, you know, people who are looking for a good watermelon, just hoping but not really knowing 
whether or not your life is going to turn out good. Well, if you take that approach, it, it won't be good. Like all of us, you're fighting a losing battle in the dark, sort of with weak batteries. Or maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're just discouraged with the level of evil or the level of badness in your life. You've been trying and trying and failing and failing for a long time and you're and now you're just sort of ready to give up and turn your back in some in some area on what God says is good and you're just ready to sort of chuck God's laws and say this just isn't working anymore. I want to encourage you and we would encourage you to not walk away. What we do in life leaves a giant footprint on the future and on us. And the one question that we all need to answer is, who will rescue me from this body of death? And the only answer is the very next statement in that passage in in Romans 7. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks again for joining us this morning. Let us know how we can help you connect with Jesus Christ personally. Uh, There's a place on your digital connection card where you can uh, let us know if you need to get clarification on, on how to follow Jesus Christ. Or if you are ready to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, you can indicate that on your digital connection card. It would be a privilege for us to reach out to you and to share with you more and to bring any clarification. Uh, also, we'd love to pray for you this morning. We have a prayer team that is ready to pray for you this morning. And so, hey, let's pray together as we as we wrap up. Father, thank you for your word. And God, even though this passage is one that you sort of have to read a few times before you can wrap your mind around it, and maybe even this message is one uh, that you know maybe some will come back to and sort of work back through it slowly, God, I pray that you would really use this, God, to help us understand how your uh, Holy Spirit brings your power into our life and how through, uh, through, through prayer, through timing your words so we can understand your laws and through lining up our minds to your word, your laws, and then choosing to form habits that support living out your laws. Lord, how that combination is a powerful combination to bring about goodness in our life. I pray that the fruit of goodness would would bear and multiply in us more and more as people. I thank you for this church. Thank you for these folks that are that are watching And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people who are supportive of the good type of growth that you want to cause in us, Lord. Not through our own willpower, but through you working in and through each one of us. And so we just commit this morning to you. Help us to think through ways to apply this. Even today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one last thing is don't forget to RCP for the OCC together. Our next worship night, August 30th, Sunday night. It's coming up really soon, and so I want to invite you to come out early and snag a spot. We're going to rearrange the field just slightly. Uh, we're making a few tweaks. You're going to be hearing more about uh, the details. You'll probably receive an email this week so you know what to expect and how to prepare for that event. But one exciting piece is we will have a Kona ice truck there, and so if you want to arrive at 630, uh, we'll have a Kona ice truck there. It's going to be absolutely free for everyone there, and so you can grab that, find a seat, and we're going to see you Sunday night. So God bless. Take care. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.